we can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. It's still Wednesday, May 3rd. Still yours truly, Ryan Warner. This episode is a bonus episode with Kendall Cross, NCAA champion, 1996 Olympic gold medalist. And if you listen to the Henry Cejudo experiment, you'll know that Kendall's in episode one, maybe two, definitely episodes one and four. And Kendall, one of my favorite people in wrestling to talk to, I can't wait to tell Kendall's story. But in the meantime, let's release this full, raw, uncut interview with Kendall Cross. Fan of the week goes to our friend Cecil Thomas, who left an Apple podcast review on April 27th. Five-star review. Awesome content. Hands down the most amazing wrestling podcast. Great information and amazing content on past and present topics. Thank you so much for leaving the review, Cecil, and thanks to everyone who's left an Apple Podcast review. And without further ado, folks, let's give it up for the great Kendall Cross. Just a quick update from our sponsor, then we'll be right back to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Frog Ninja Wrestling Club. They were with us last year, and they're back to promote their upcoming summer camps. If you're in the PA area, check out these camps. Amazing clinicians. The first camp is June 27th through the 29th at the Spooky Newt Complex in Lancaster, PA. Clinicians include Mike Evans, David McFadden, and Brian Pearsall, who's the head coach at, excuse me, the head associate coach at Penn and a former Penn State wrestler. The Frog Ninja Wrestling Club is also doing a second camp in Oxford, PA, July 11th through the 13th. One of my favorite clinicians for this camp is Morgan McIntosh, who's an Army Green Beret, three-time All-American, and NCAA finalist for Penn State. He was also a three-time California State champ. He's going to be at the second camp in Oxford, PA. So register now at frogninjawrestlingclub.com. Go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and some of your wrestling credentials, Mr. Kendall Cross. All right. Hi, I'm Kendall Cross. Um, I um, am an Olympic champion in 1996, NCAA champion in 1989. I'll even go as far as saying I'm a state champion in Oklahoma in 1986. Mustang, Oklahoma, represent. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about 
after you win the Olympics in 96, you wrestle at the World Cup in 97, and then you're living out in the Boston area. How do you get involved coaching Raleigh Peterkin at the uh, Fargo tournament? Well, okay. So Raleigh was, uh, was, um, he, he Raleigh came to the uh, Harvard wrestling camps. So I was an assistant coach at Harvard right out of, um, getting, you know, finishing my competitive career. Um, I moved to Boston. I was, um, doing some graduate work, um, and, uh, coaching at Harvard and Raleigh was one of the students or one of the uh, campers at the, uh, you know, the Harvard wrestling camps. And so he was, uh, he, he was, uh, you know, at the camp and I just took notice because of his amazing ability, his, his physical ability. He was, you know, stupid flexibility, um, just uh, tumbling and back bridges and back arches. And just, um, he really, he, he caught my eye. And so I remember talking to Jay Weiss, the head coach at Harvard. It's like, man, this this kid, watch this kid. Look at watch this kid. Watch him, watch him bridge. Watch him bridge on his on his head, you know. And so he just had some really unique physical abilities that really attracted me to him. And so I got to know him and, and his dad, and said, man, it, we should we should we should catch up. I would love to you know help this kid. And um. You know, he had, you know, first of all, Raleigh was, was, you know, I would call him a sweetheart. You know, he's a good boy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he was young. I want to say he was 10 years old. And um, it's really interesting to see him now, like what all he's doing. It's it's really, a, it's cool to see somebody flourish like like he has. Um, but going back to, you know, how I got involved with him, his uh, Raleigh's dad and so, and a few other dads that uh, of kids that I was working with, they, um they put together or we put together a uh, Kendall cross wrestling club in, in in the outskirts of Boston. And, and so it was in the suburbs in Natick, uh, I'm sorry, Wellesley, Wellesley mass. And um, it was hometown of Raleigh Peterkin. (laughs) And so I was going over there at the least once a week and at the most three times a week um, working with Raleigh Peterkin and, and company, you know, the, the kids that he was wrestling with. And so that was how I got to know Raleigh. I got to, I got to be a, you know, his life. Um, great experience for me. You know, it was, it was a kid that I took from, you know, the, the bowels of uh, Massachusetts wrestling wise, you know, and, and um, took him to the, uh, you know, Fargo and he won the thing. You know, I think that's rare for a kid from Massachusetts to come out of uh, that area and go and win a uh, win Fargo. You know, that's that's rare. Broke my heart. It was against Jimmy Kennedy, my Illinois hero. Man. <laughs> yeah, I remember oh. Jimmy Kennedy. Jimmy yeah, turned out very well. You know, yeah. and, you know who knew at the time. You know, I you know, as a kid from Illinois. I was kind of we were joking about all these kids that that uh raleigh was running into you know like what might they be saying about raleigh being uh you know from massachusetts like oh i got a kid from massachusetts should be a should be a cakewalk you know right right you know? but raleigh had a high gut <laughs> he and, was uh, tough he, uh, man so yeah. tough 
And Jimmy Kennedy was a killer. Like in Illinois, he was like, you couldn't, he was just so good. So that was, I remember that vividly. And I was in the bleachers, you know, afternoon of day one. So I had a pretty good vantage point for these matches. Um, but so you're at Fargo and you're coaching and all of a sudden you see this maniac from Arizona, Henry Cejudo. Yeah. Tell us about your first impressions watching him. Well, you know, I, I saw him warming up and, and before the tournament and, and, um, and I saw him like, like off the mat and he was wearing this beanie. He had long hair, by the way, he had, I don't know, hair down to his shoulders. And, um, he was interesting looking, you know, and, and you wore a beanie, you know, it's freaking, you know, a hundred, hundred thousand degrees outside and he's got a, a beanie on. And so that was odd. And, um, I just, uh, I just noticed him and then I saw him warming up and then I happened to just be walking by, you know, one of the 20 something mats that are there and the kid was wrestling. I was like, Oh, that's that kid. That's that kid I saw. And, you know, it, it was only, it wasn't something that jumped out at me about his athletic or his wrestling ability. It was really just, he was a unique looking kid. And, um, and so I stopped and then Oh my God, he was, he, his, his level of, of freestyle skill was, um, it was something to see and it was rare. And so, the, you know, I, I watched his whole match, um, left, you know, I didn't think, you know, a whole lot about it, but I did, you know, mention to Raleigh, man, you got to watch this kid, this kid. This. And so then from that point on, we sought out his matches and wow. went, went Matt side and went and watched Henry Cejudo, you know, and, you know, he's just a, <laughs> just a kid, you know? So what was his demeanor like when he was warming up? Well, he was, he was, he was, a uh, super confident. Um, and, and it really focused on, on, you know, his drill and, and what he wants and, it didn't appear to me that he really cared too much about what people around him thought about him. Um, he was, he was just going through his, his arsenal of, of technique, you know, and, uh, and there was a lot, there was trapping guts, you know, um, regular guts, you know, uh, turnaround crotch lifts, you know, just a uh, really um, dynamic, dynamic technique. And how would you describe his style back then? Well, I would say dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, really. He and you know, I, I, I he's he scored points in bunches. He he, you know, he would get a takedown right to a turn. And before you know it, you know, the matches would be you know six zero, you know, and and then dudes would have to come at him, and then he, you know, he'd settle in and burn him again, you know, and I don't, I don't recall that he had a close match. I could be wrong, but um, it was, it was really fun to watch him and, and I just appreciated him, you know? Yeah. He's very authentic in that sense, you know, just going right, going right through it. And for the folks who listen to this documentary who are not wrestling fans or MMA fans, and they've kind of crossed into it because of Henry's UFC career, how would you describe like the stakes and the importance of Fargo for a high school kid? Well, Fargo Ryan is, is everything. I mean, you know that because you, you know, we're in it, you know, and it's, it's the, um, it's the litmus test. 
it, 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 all you have to do in the wrestling community is say how somebody or yourself did at Fargo and you immediately know their level. You know, it, 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 it's very telling, you know, it's really, truly the, the bar uh, that, that sets, you know, that separates the good, the really good kids from the good kids, you know, because, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of good kids out there. The really good ones win Fargo. Yeah, and it's like almost a, a way to cash in on a scholarship. Like if you win it, if you win juniors, you know, before your senior year, you're definitely getting some college coaches calling you. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like nothing better than say, yeah, yeah, he won Fargo. You know, if you if you're talking about a kid and or, he, or even just, you know, um, he was he was a Fargo American. You know, that this speaks so highly of of, of a kid's uh, ability. You know, it's you know, certainly it's a it's a time in, in their career that it's, it doesn't tell everything, but it does tell you the trajectory that they're currently on which is you know up there you know yeah and that's the cool part about it is you go into it sometimes and if a kid's first coming into cadets and you don't really know them they could be like out of nowhere and hit the national scene and everyone's talking about them you know like just the drama builds throughout the week yes it does it does and you know it's uh yeah it's, it's your time to to really display or showcase your abilities um, and, and, you know, the, the one, the kids that, because they know what it is, you know, cause you know, we, you think about it, we call it Fargo. It just, it just says it just the name of that, that city. And it just, it, it says every, it tells everything for us, for, for our, for the wrestling community, you know, we don't have to say anything else. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and so for a kid to come in and, and be able to perform, be able to take the nerves out um of the equation and just wrestle and perform um it, it tells you that it tells you that a kid can take a very high level maybe a um a pressure cooker kind of tournament because of what it is you know you can go in there having heard everything about what fargo is and you know some kids will wilt under those that information and some kids will shine and, you know, that's one of the cool things that you get to know about a kid is which ones wilt, which ones shine. Nothing better than seeing those kind of pressure cooker events. And when you fast forward to, so you see Henry, you're coaching Raleigh. At some point you moved to Dallas and you decided to get back into wrestling. How did the 2008 Olympics get back on your radar in terms of your comeback? Okay. Hey, I, I want to tell you this before we go into that. Yeah. Um, at this tournament. So at, Please. at this tournament. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I free, I sought him out. I wanted to say, Hey man, wow. Uh, that's, that would, you, you're a really good wrestler, you know? And, um, so I, I found him and had his beanie on and, and long hair. And, um, I, I went up to him and, and said, Hey dude, and a really nice job. Um, it was, his tournament wasn't over yet. And, and, uh, but I just wanted to tell him cause I wasn't sure if I was going to run into the kid. Um, and, uh, so I went up to him and, and told him, you know, Hey man, wow. I, I really enjoyed watching you wrestle. I, I don't know that he knew who I was. <laughs> I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. I, I don't think he did. You know, 
And again, that's kind of one of the cool things about Henry is, man, he, wherever he, whatever he thought about the sport or what knowledge he had about the sport, I, I don't know that that mattered to him. It seemed um, he was just really good at it. And it, and it, maybe it wasn't necessarily because he dug into the, the, the history of it. Um, you know, because he did, I, the, the way he looked at me, yeah, I won't forget it. The way he looked at me, I don't think he knew who I was. What did he and say? That's kind of cool. You know, he's, he's a freaking amazing wrestler. And, um, you know, wh- where am I? I'm, you know, I w- I'm an Olympics away from competing. You know, there, there was one Olympics since then. And um, so normally kids know who I am. And Absolutely. I don't think he, did. <laughs> <laughs> he man, he he did what it's so hard to so hard to do this is he didn't put anything on a pedestal. Yeah, like that's yes. that's what everyone tells me from all his even his kids coaches. They said that they all said the same thing about him, like basically what you just said there. Yeah, you know, it it didn't. He he wasn't great because he dug into the the history of it. You know, he was great just because he was super talented and had he just had a um. He, you know, I in in the in the bigger picture, you know, I think Henry has a uh, he just has a knack for the sport and in knowing where things are, and then also his the way he learns. He seems to learn um very visually, and so when he sees something, he's just able to do it immediately. You know, he has this. Um, athletic ability that allows him to do that and I think that's pretty unique and you know there are guys like that there are kids like that that they're they're visual learners Um, but he's the next level of visual learners you know he's he he's like that apex kid that can see something or even just in maybe envision it in his head and be able to do it it's super unique and do you see that out at the OTC or just based on like watching him warm up I saw when he, in his matches at Fargo. Wow. Seeing him warm up, I, I noticed him. Watching him wrestle, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> this kid's impressive. The stuff he was doing, he was going from, he wasn't using the same move over and over. He was freaking pulling out his book of moves and just rolling kids up, shaking their hand. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the way he like his mentality in the matches, just from watching him on YouTube, like he was going into it almost like a Mike Tyson chip on the shoulder, like it just going in for a war almost. Yeah, yeah, really intense, and intense, um, and skilled. That's a that's a dangerous combination. Yeah, it really is. And when you think that with all that just raw energy coming together putting him at the OTC as a high school junior is like, that is exciting, you know? Yeah. 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 That was, that was pretty neat. It was, it was really at the time when I was out there and, and so, uh, you know, then I get, I got to know him on a personal level and also got to see how, see how he, um how he navigates what he's doing and how he navigates the sport and, and people around it and, coaches peers um i got to see that and tell us about like what he was like inside the room 
But, you know, Terry was his coach. And, you know, Terry was, well, absolutely my biggest nemesis competing. And um, I thought it was really, it was was cool to see that interaction. Uh, What I noticed about Henry is, man, he, he was, he was just able to take in what he's being, what is being said to him or what he's, what he's being told to do and just do it. And he didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't hesitate. He didn't question. He didn't overthink. He didn't analyze um, too terribly much on what he was told to do. Um, he just did it. And uh, so it, he was, he was, uh, you know, I wouldn't say blindly, but, you know, he was just, he just had faith in, in what he was told and who, who was telling him what, you know? And so, you know, I saw that interaction with Terry and him and how Henry just really, uh, he just glued himself to um, Terry's, well, his wisdom, you know, cause he has it. And um, so that was one of the biggest takeaways that I, that I got from being around him at the training center was that um, just his ability to hone in on the the things he's been told to do and, and just do it. Yeah. KJ said it was like, almost like a naivete. Like he didn't know any better. He just listened and did it. Yeah. That's a very good description of, of how he is. So Kevin, KJ said that. Yeah. Uh, he said, totally- yeah, he said exactly that. He's like, he was just so young that he wasn't, he, he was just said he was too, he was too naive to know any better. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then he, you know, he had Terry brands telling him what to do and that's a pretty good person to be telling you what to do. And what was it like to see Terry as a coach? That seeing Terry as a coach was, was interesting because I didn't know him outside of, well, I did, I really didn't know him, you know, you know, he and I were chasing down the same things um, while we were competing, literally the same thing. And so I didn't know him as a coach and I didn't know him and how he relates to other people. And so it was really a cool thing. I got to see Terry, I got to see his passion for one, for the sport, but two, for his athlete, you know, he, man, he would, he would any time of the day, the night, the morning, the middle, and I don't know, whatever, he was just there. And, and I saw it over and over again, you know, it wasn't just with Henry. He was, you know, at, you know, we would go and run the, the cog, you know, the, the, um, run the cog, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. We'd go run the cog and, you know, Terry would be before the, the sun even came out, he'd be up there waiting on, waiting on these guys, you know, and it was just, uh, it was impressive the level of commitment and, also, you know, he showed it too by just his his presence. He was always there. He was always, always there. And he was before before you got there, he was there. And when you left, he was still there. And so I got to see that in Terry. It was really a it was it was it was warming, you know. Was, he's, Terry cares about his athletes. And I saw that with 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 others and, and with Henry, you know. Yeah. 
And and is it true that you when you when you got there, you guys had dinner together out at his house? Yeah, yeah, we did. What was yeah. that like? Yeah, well, it was, it was, um, it was interesting, you know, because I, you know, we again, we we don't we don't we don't meet up for coffee in the morning ever, you know, and so it, that's an unusual thing. But I was out there. Um, we we talked about, hey, let's get together, and you know, so he had me out for steaks, and I got to meet his his wife and. Um, yeah, how was it? I don't know. What do I say? I would just say that it was, um, it was, it was educational because I got to, I got to, you know, meet the Terry brands behind the Terry brands. You know, I got to see pictures on the wall of his kids and, and then, you know, when it went in of, of his wedding, and and so I got to see that kind of stuff. And so it just humanized him, you know? Yeah. And once you got to meet Henry and you talk about his personality, like how would you describe his personality outside the room? Like kind of like that was Terry outside the room. What was Henry like outside the room? Henry's kind of a, a, a little a little bit of a, a a joker a little bit, you know, fun. He he likes fun. He likes he he's not he's not short on fun. You know, and 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 just you know whether it be jabbing somebody else with sarcasm, um, or you know telling a joke, you know, it just seemed pretty lighthearted off the mat. And you know, I, I honestly I think that contributes to you know what he does on the mat. You know, he didn't seem too terribly serious um, when once he got off the mat. Maybe he left it there. You know. But on the mat, he was serious. I would say off the mat, pretty jovial, you know. What and how would you compare him to Angel at the time, personality-wise? Angel's a little more serious, you know. And, and Angel's his big brother, and, and Angel kind of he he Angel uh, took that role too, you know. And um, you know, Angel was was uh, he was he was a weight above Henry. And so they still rolled around a little bit, but Henry, Angel was just a little, little too big for Henry's size. And, and so, um, you know, I didn't see that he didn't, you know, abuse him, you know, with his size or anything. He's, he was a, he's a good big brother, you know? Yeah. He had a huge impact on Henry and, you know, was a huge supporter for him. And, Everyone I've talked to says that Henry or not Henry, but Angel was really good at like mimicking different styles. And like he could he could wrestle like a certain type of guy for Bill Zadek. And he just had like, you know, real love of like different techniques, whereas Henry was going in to get stuff done. Um, what was it like wrestling Angel? I know you guys scrapped in tournaments a couple of times, but would you wrestle a lot in practice? We would. And, and we were we were training at this. We we're at the same weight class. So there was there was always that on both of our minds. I, I could tell. And I think that's pretty common. I think it's straight up common. When How do you mean? Training with somebody that's at your weight, that's legitimate, and you might have a concern for them um, beating you. Um, so we did, and so you know, I myself, you know, I tried to always be on, you know, and not expose any weakness, you know, because we all have weaknesses. Let's not expose them, you know. And uh, so, you know, so Angel and I had a different dynamic with our relationship than henry and i did 
you know, just because he was at my weight. Yeah, that's yeah. I didn't even think about that. What and what, did you ever get your hands on Henry and wrestle him? Yeah, sure. But he was man. You know the difference in what was it, fifty five, and and is sixty sixty or sixty one? You know that that you know twelve pounds of 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 weight. Um, you know it's a it's a big deal at the lower weights. You know. So the size advantage, it was, it was just too much. And I, and also I was a huge, I was too big. I was too big for the weight class for even 61, you know? So I was big. And so we, you know, he was just, he was small, you know, yeah. small, you know, he, he grew into his, you know, his 55. Um, Certainly wasn't overly big for the weight. And um, I was really big for 61. And so it wasn't yeah we didn't we didn't tangle too much like where it was serious and that we felt that both of us you know that i would be worried about him and he would be worried about me it wasn't like that i think we we trained together more as as um as as peers trying to both get the same thing done you know just kind of like sparring around that kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. and even taking a step back from henry when you got to the resident program, how would you describe like the culture and the atmosphere at that time when you arrived at the resident program? Well, Terry was the resident program. Terry was coaching it. And so it was, uh, it was, it was pretty, uh, you know, battened down, you know, Terry ran a tight program and the kids really respected him. And um, so you know, so, you know, I think there was a little bit of edginess just in terms of like uh, wanting to not to make sure that nobody stepped on Terry's toes or, you know, being on time and and yeah, showing up when you sh- need to show up and not missing runs. And and um, I thought it was uh, was pretty I wouldn't say strict, but just. You know, respectfully. uh organized you know would you say he ran it like a college program not really i I, no, i don't i don't think so because you know these guys are you know henry definitely was was younger and i think that there were some stipulations that terry created for henry that were different from you know these 24 25 year olds you know yeah. And um but yeah, I saw it as 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 a pretty uh regimented environment where you just you, you go in and get your work done. And who were some of the guys at that weight? Like were you wrestling with Sean Bunch and, and those kind of guys? Lightner? Yeah. Sean Bunch, Lightner, you know, uh Jared Frere was out there, he was at the next weight up. Um Yeah, that was kind of who who sticks out in my mind is you know Jared Frere especially you know I love that dude. Um, he was he was there. Henry and Angel um, Leitner was was in and out. Um, Angel, oh, I already said Angel. Um, yeah, was, was Mo still there? King Mo. Oh yeah, yes, yes, of course. That's how I got to know that guy. Yeah, you know who else was there? Mako Usman. Oh, Usman was. Yes. Yeah. 
Wow, I didn't know that. Yes. Did you know? So you didn't know he was at at, at the training center? No, I didn't know yeah. that Usman was there. He, he was. I don't know that he was a um a resident athlete, but he came in and, and periodically because he was there over the time that I you know I, I got to know him a little bit, you know, and um yeah, it was interesting to see his meteoric rise into the uh, UFC. Um, because I know that dude, you know. Wow. And what about uh? Was Abbas out there at all when you were there? Yes. Yeah, he was. Living yeah. there? He had he he lived off campus, had a house. So yeah, he was there too. Wow. Forget, forget the yeah, just not thinking, yeah. So we're talking about Henry, but yeah, yeah. this was uh yeah, was Abbas was out there. Because that is a that's an interesting rivalry on many levels. Uh, some we won't focus on in the documentary between him and Henry, but the the wrestling wise, you know, it's a, uh, it's you know, you think about series that go three matches. Obviously, you and Terry's number one for for everyone, but you know that one comes to mind just because of you, know, you got someone trying to take over the Olympic silver medalist. Yeah, he was banged, definitely banged up, but you know that's one that uh that series sticks out to me for sure. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know that, like. I don't I don't know that Abbas was too terribly concerned about Henry um for a, a bit, you know, right before Henry really came on, you know. Um, you know, he was in high school while he was out there. And, you know, I, I yeah, I don't I don't I don't recall that Henry or uh, that that uh Stephen was too terribly concerned about him, you know, early on. But Do you that, know if that, they would that, work out at all? I'm sure they did, but you know, it doesn't jump out at me. It wasn't a, it wasn't this thing like, oh, let's watch Henry and Steven go. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they did. But, uh, you know, again, I, what I, what I recall is that, you know, Steven wasn't, you know, it wasn't this, it wasn't this thing with, you know, between Henry and Steven. I think it came to that, or it grew to be that, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you say Terry's program was, you, you say strict, it comes to mind. It sounds like it was not like what you call it, Oklahoma State committee by workshop, <laughs> where it was like a real open type deal. Is that like, how would you describe the differences between those environments? Just that workshop, Oklahoma State was workshop where we're learning from each other and you know, being able to create a workshop is really based on the uh, the idea that you have guys in the room that can really help each other, you know, versus there being like a, a dictator that's just well dictating everything that's being done and shown. And um, so, you know, Okie State. You know, we had John Smith in the room, Kenny Monday, Mike Sheets, geez, um, myself. It was a it was a really cool room, and and so uh, and it was. Joe C was was our coach, and you know Bruce Burnett. He was kind of the glue that really kept us all together organizationally, and um, but you know Joe C as a coach, his one of his his genius was that he just he let. He let people 
Um, he, he, he did, he wasn't, his ego wasn't so big that he couldn't let, you know, he, or he wouldn't let people just do their own things in the practice room. And so, you know, I think that he was just because of his lack of ego, he could let things happen in the room where we just teach each other and work together, you know? And so it was, but it was, it was more workshop ish than anything else. Um, you know, with, with Terry's room, you know, I think there was a, a level of regiment, you know, just that he uh, wanted and, and required, you know, and that that's probably, you know, what he's used to as well. And I had read that after when you came back and went to Dagestan and beat Batirov in your first match, which is just crazy and unbelievable to go to Russia and win like that against you know the brother of an Olympic champion. I, I just read the quote from USA Wrestling that you said, you know, that was November and that you were going to wrestle in the Dave Schultz in February and that you were going to go back to the OTC and do a lot of cross training and try to build up your conditioning. So what what did it look like to uh, to like build up your conditioning and cross training with Terry? Was it more live wrestling or was it more like stuff outside the room running and that kind of stuff? Uh, it was, it's, it's stuff outside the room. Um, you know, Terry, you know, Terry and I, we had a discussion just about what I could do physically, uh, relative to what the other guys were doing. Cause they were, they were all, you know, in their early twenties and mid twenties. Um, and, uh, so it was a different animal. I was 36 years old. And, and so we, uh, you know, he had mentioned, look, Kendall, you, uh, you know, your body, um, you can, you can do what you need to do and, and listen to, uh, what your body's telling you. And so we had that conversation. And so I was on a little bit different path um, in terms of the, uh, the, 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 the workouts, the workout regimen. Um, I wasn't necessarily um, tied to the, the uh, strictness of, you know, successive days of workouts and mm -hmm. then going and running the cog. And, and so the incline, I guess that's what it's called. And so it was a little different and it, because I was in a different situation, you know, and Terry understood that too. And when you decided to come out there, did you like have like a call with him first to understand how it would work or how did, did he invite you out to the OTC when you finally went out there? No, I, I, I um, approached USA wrestling about coming out there. I uh, reached out to USA wrestling and said, Hey, this is what I want to do. I think this will help me. I, I think this is a, a very positive thing that I can put my hands on, dig my heels in on and um, get me out of the, the mess that I'm in. And so that was how I ended up out there was that I, um, yeah, I was, I was uh, grasping for um, something to uh, motivate me in a different direction. And wow. so that's how I ended up at, at, uh, at the uh, training center. Um, I spent, um, a couple of months, I want to say two to three months in Denver with a, a doctor friend of mine. I lived with him and his wife and we, um, you know, he helped me kind of, he helped me get my, get my feet on the ground. And, um, and then we approached USA wrestling. So it was, it was, it was there was a plan to get, get myself out of the environment that I was in and um, and wrestling was going to be the tool to, to do that.
So Terry didn't invite me. He didn't call me. He was the coach out there. And um, so it was really interesting. I was excited, actually. Um, I'm going to go and, you know, work with Terry Brands. How fucking cool is that? Because, uh, you know, I as as much as, of, of a, a nemesis as we are, I freaking love the guy. I love I love what he represents. You know, he's he's a good human being. And I know that just not then. I know it now. We've just had interaction since and man, and, and it, it was um, being at the training center. Um, that was where it was built, where it was built, you know, on, you know, how I feel about the guy. I love the guy and seeing him at the training center and the way that he handles his athletes. It was really cool. And how would you describe like his fierceness as a competitor? Again, for the for the non wrestling fan who who may be tuning into the series because they know Henry from UFC, if they'd never heard of Terry Brands, yeah, Terry Brands is um, his fierceness as a competitor. You know, he just you know one thing about the Brands brothers, um, they they took their conditioning to a level that you you don't ever overcome it. You just try to match it or try to get to a level of conditioning where you can withstand it. And, and they're also just um, inordinately strong. And so the conditioning piece uh, on top of the strength, it was just in an in ama amazing intensity. Like once the whistle blew, it was like, <laughs> you know, just the whole time it, you uh, felt like you were being pushed and pulled and didn't know where you, whether you were coming or going and um, it was just an overwhelming experience to, to wrestle those guys. I wrestled both of them multiple times. Too many times that I would care to have wrestled them. And it was just the way it ended up. We were at each other's weight, right? Um, I caught both of them multiple times through my college career and, and international career. And um, I don't know. I do not. I, I did not look forward to those matches ever it was just a it's like being in a car accident that semi-final win against tom in 90 90 is one of the most just clutch matches of all time i mean that that is that one still sticks out to me i i asked tom about it he was not ready to discuss it <laughs> he's not he's not ready no he was not yeah, ready to discuss know, it. Tom was getting ready to, well, he didn't know yet. None of us knew. It, was, it would have been his first NCAA title. And then he would have been the first four-timer because he smashed his way through the next three. Mm -hmm. you know? And so looking back, I cannot be his favorite person. You know? <laughs> Did you and, ever get um, your hands on Kelber? Or was he a older than you? Kelber, yeah. we, we you Oh, Big 12. Competing? Yeah, yeah, competing. Like during that era? Oh, well, so yes, yes. Um, the year that I won, 89 was the year I won, not 90. So um, 89 was the year I wrestled Terry Brands in the semifinals. Um, and the quarterfinals, I wrestled Kelber to get to the semis against Brands. Tom Brands or Terry Brands? Tom. Tom, right. So you wrestled Kelber in the quarters to get to Tom? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. my wrestled. God. Yeah, and he, uh, listen oh to this, Ryan. He, he, um, he was... He was beating me. He was going to beat me in this match. It, I can say that now, you know, and I'm com I'm I'm comfortable saying it. He was um he was ahead of me. Or no, what was it? He was 
he was ahead of me by a point and he was he was dropping to my legs when i would tripod up okay i'm on bottom mm-hmm. he was dropping to my legs and i would tripod up and the referee hit him with a stalling call a second one um with about seven seconds left so because in my mind i had already i had already uh, conceded that i was going to lose that match because he had just knocked me to my hip and you picture it i'm in a tripod um he changes down to legs and bumps me to my hip and knocks me to my hip and i'm like ah it's over because that takes three four five six seconds to get off your hip and um the referee's like boop blew the whistle stalling one point cross i'm in and then i won the match on that pointer to go to ot you took him down OT. wow yeah i heard kelbris as strong as they come like just insane strength yeah 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 uncanny yeah there was you don't you don't move him around you just you gotta move around him (laughs) (laughs) i mean Geez, that's crazy. Wow. We got way off topic, but I can't help myself on some of these interviews. No, that's, that's too stuff. much wrestling history. Yeah, yeah. man, that's crazy. So that was 90, 91, 92. Yeah, okay. Wow. Well, you know, just knowing that that's kind of your backdrop with the brands, the fact that you went out there and were, were working out and, and seeing him in that environment is, is pretty cool for you to see like the full rotation of Terry because you saw him in one light for so long. And, you know, rivals always say like, only their biggest competitor knows exactly what they're going through. So the mm-hmm. fact that you got to see behind the curtain is something a lot of competitors probably never get to see with, with their chief rival. Yeah, I think so. That was pretty unique. Go, you know, going being out there and being around Terry and how he operates. And I really got to see that because he was in charge of the program. And so scheduling um, practices, practice times, technique. Um, I got to see it all. It was really a, it was, it was cool. It was a cool observation. You know, because, you know, one thing that that we had an understanding of was, you know, he was he was running that program and, you know, we sat down and, you know, I was a little bit out of out of the lines on that because of um, the, the, my age and, and the fact that, you know, I just wasn't able to do what these guys were doing or I didn't need to be doing what these guys are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember Chris Campbell at the age of 36 competing on the 92 Olympic team with me, I'm, I'm 24 years old and, uh, we are not on the same program and (laughs) you could, you could almost take it as, uh, Chris doesn't, doesn't work out very hard or very long, but it's just a different deal when you're 36 years old. And so, um, we were, I was a little bit on a different schedule and program that, uh, that Terry's you know, athletes were on. And so I, I got to take this, you know, I got to observe a little bit, you know, from, from the side, you know, of how Terry operates. It was pretty cool. It was, it was, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I appreciated it. I appreciated it. I'm so actually surprised to hear this because all I've heard during all these interviews with guys like Kyle Sermonara, Bryce Hossman, Bill Zadick, all the guys out there was that it was, you had to do everything terry's way or the highway and that you really they didn't allow like a lot of pop-ins or like you know so you were you weren't a pop-in but so you're out there but it's cool that you guys had that understanding that like you didn't have to do i heard that one time they did 24 days of the cog in a row like which is just like 
freaking crazy. But so like, it's cool that you didn't have to do some of that insane stuff. Well, that, that 24 days in a row, it wasn't while I was there. <laughs> I think I would have tried. Really? I yeah. think, you know, I mean, the cog didn't bother me. You know, I'm, I'm narrow. I'm, I'm, you know, long muscles. Um, you dude, I could go up that thing like a gazelle. Uh, you know, it, it, I did, it didn't happen fast, but it didn't, it didn't kill me. But what killed me was just the, the, um, the volume of, uh, workouts on the mat, mm. you know, that's what, you know, and, you know, Terry and I, we had discussed it. It's like, Kendall, you know, look, um, fall in to what we're doing. And, and if you need to back off, you back off. That was our understanding. And, wow. you know, it was, uh, it was his call, you know, cause he, that's his program. And, and I wanted to respect that. And I did respect that, you know, um, yeah, I really appreciated what he, what he was doing. And, and, um, you know, also just my, my interaction with the athletes, you know, I, they, they sometimes would come to me like, maybe you could talk to him. Maybe you should talk to him about not having to do this. And I'm like, dude, ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Don't, don't send me into <laughs> that's so funny so yeah. there's also a and we're winding down here but there's also a famous story of henry you know sunkiss kids 06 tournament henry loses to a guy he shouldn't and flakes out and disappears with his girlfriend for a week and then terry bans him were you there at this time or did you come after this it was before oh man oh my god i'm Man, I can't. It's okay if not. I think that was, I think I was there before that happened. Interesting. Yeah. When that was 06. Yeah. Sun, so Sunkiss Kids 06. And he's like at the tail end of wrestling, like a shitload of tournaments all summer. And he's burnt out and he's like going to Iowa State to do a college visit and maybe he's going to go wrestle for Kale. And like him and Terry are on like the rocks a little bit. And so Terry, Henry tries to see how far you can get away with it. Skips town for a week with Carissa. Terry, he gets back and Terry kicks him out for a month. And then after that, it was, you know, quote unquote, smooth sailing. But that's a... No, a you know what? That was 06? Yep. It was after. It was definitely after. So that had already, so you know what? I know that story. I couldn't place it, you know, chronologically, whether I was there or not. Um, I know, I know when I was out there and it was 07. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think I was, dude, I was going through my divorce in 06. And, and I think that I, I'll have to look exactly when I got out there, but 07 was, when uh when i was out there got it it was the 07 was the um it was the non-olympic year the olympic year was coming up and yeah that was when i was there maybe the you... end of 06 end of 06 into 07 yeah and when you went there did you did you were you going thinking you were going to try and make a run for 08 or were you going just to get yourself back on solid footing. I, I, oh, wait, oh, wait, it was, it was the mindset. 
you know, cause you know, that you, it, you have, it wasn't just that it was, it was, um, you're just the, uh, getting, you know, saving my life, so to speak. It was, it was, um, man, oh wait, I could do this. And the rules are, excuse me, man, you know, I could do this. And, and the rules are, Bless you. Um, okay, let me start again. Yeah, I was thinking I could do it because the rules had changed. And um, they were, it was, it was, it was periods that you needed to win. And if you scored point, points in bunches, take down a turn, you almost guaranteed to win your period. There just wasn't enough time to come back, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so it was really, man, I could do this. The weight changed from 57, you know, you could say that it went down to 55 and then the, the 60, what it was, it came and then the, the weight above it came down to 61. And I thought 61 was, um, it would allow me to, um, oh my God, I'm sneezing. No, you're good. Um, those rules though, to your point, like, if you could score and hold position, you didn't have to be in for a marathon. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to. I got five clean eggs. Um, you didn't have to. Um, well, you, if you scored, if you got it, if you got to take down in a turn, you're almost guaranteed to, guaranteed to win that period. You know, and, and if you got a, a tilt off of somebody's shot and you would go ahead by two and then you could hold them off in a in two you know in two minutes in a two minute period and you have a break in between every each two minute period um it it, it didn't allow it, shape wasn't necessarily a factor to a degree that it would be if you did things right you had a four minute match mm-hmm. and um so i just saw that um it was something the rules were conducive for um me doing well i thought you know I mean, it's, you did. You beat some studs. You beat Vladislav uh, Velikov, who I Velikin, actually, yeah. I actually interviewed for this series. It was it was awesome. Um, the Ivanov family translated because that's who Henry beat in the first round of the Olympics. Oh, who, okay. Yeah. So Velikov won the worlds in 06. In 07, yeah. he got beat by Basit Kudakov, but in 08, you know, he was still one of the top dudes, but mm-hmm. he was down at 55, and so that was. And the year before with the Ukraine tournament, he had beat Henry bad, like really bad. It, Henry said it's one of the only losses where he got schooled. And so, yeah. uh, I mean, that's who Henry had first round of the Olympics. So when I saw you wrestled him at the Dave Schultz, I'm like, holy shit. Like, yeah, man. attacked him, man. Fucking, or what was no, just, fucking it, just, A. Attack the periods. I think that's what you do. Yeah. If you get ahead, what, six points, you, you move on to the next period. Yeah. Yeah. And how much were you cutting to get down to 61 back then? I was cutting from like 55. I did. I lifted a lot, got big. And so I was, I was solid and lean. And, um, I, I was, I was probably weighing 155. Wow. From you know soup to nuts, you know, like, uh, from the biggest I got to being down to weight. Um, I tried to train in the, in the high forties. Um, I was too big. I was too big for the weight class. You know, I weigh 50 right now, 52. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm I'm kind of lean, but uh, um, just redistribution of, of weight, really. <laughs> um, so I I was I was uh I was kidding myself about making making the weight. 
it was it was it was um too much you know and I, I wrestled i wrestled the weight class with two kilos allowance never made scratch i couldn't make i couldn't make weight for the uh for the trials i bypassed the u.s open because of the weight mm-hmm. and, and and like doubled my efforts to make weight for the trials and um i couldn't make weight at the trials even before i even left colorado i called our Martori, I was like, dude, I, I am not going to make this weight. I'm not, I'm not recovering. I'm not recovering from, you know, I'm doing what I did um, in the past and my body's not recovering, you know? And if you think about it, I was 36. I, I was on the heels of being really mean to my body. Um, you know, the drugs, the alcohol, whatever, you know, and um, having trained for six to eight months, it wasn't enough. I wasn't recovering. And um, so I was kidding myself as to thinking that I was going to get down to 61 kilos and function and, and compete even with a night before, you know? Wow. See, I never realized that it was always two kilos allowance when you made it. Previously. Yeah. that was. Yeah. It was two kilos allowance. And it was, it was a, it was a MF or man. I was like, just, it was really, really hard. <clears throat> it's just, scary I, how good you were after six months of training though after i mean again the bowels of addiction i've i've seen it you know people are not in good physical health after after a couple week month year-long bender like it's it takes a lot out of you so for you to come back and compete at that level is like shit man you could have fucking won it in 04 yeah you know i i certainly thought i could you know it was wow. just a it's funny. It's it's funny what you what you think you can do. You're probably closer to doing it because you think you can do it. You know, it's. But I thought I could. You know, you versus Abbas would have been such a fun series too. Wow, those two <laughs> styles, woof, wide open. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to ask you about, then we'll sign off. In or oh, actually at five o'clock. Um, just real quick is just the again kind of asking as if I don't know the answer um, like for our UFC fans tuning in the Olympics, the importance of it, you know, jujitsu has the Abu Dhabi UFC is obviously very popular, but for a wrestler, the Olympics is how would you describe like the importance of it? The importance of the Olympics, you know, to a wrestler, you know, I, I, well, we don't have a professional sport, you know, we don't have a something after you know, quote unquote, amateur sport. And so it is the, uh, it is like the zenith, you know, of, of our sport. I, I think it's, if you grow up as a wrestler, what is it that you want? It's Olympics, you know, um, it's, it's the pinnacle, you know? So yeah, I would say it's every, you know, every kid that gets to a certain level and turns out to be, you know, good enough to consider, in their minds about going to the highest level of wrestling. Well, the highest, highest level of wrestling is an Olympic gold medal. Yeah. You know, and just the, when you get there to see all the countries to see the guys warming up, it must be cool to finally see it when you get down there and you're like two hours away from match time. Must be crazy. Yeah. The hoopla around it, the buildup, um, having seen the Olympics, not every year, every four years. And so it's this rare, this is really, it's a novelty, you know, as a kid, you know, like, Oh, it's the Olympics. Oh my God. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's, 
and then to to bear down on watching it you know i remember as a kid just really enjoying just watching the olympics and imagining you know i didn't know or, or you know i didn't have this lifelong dream of when i was really young to to try to even be in the olympics but you kind of always imagine it you know it's like oh man that'd be so cool you know olympic gold medal you know my gosh yeah. you know in being an athlete and being an athlete in a sport like wrestling um that's what every kid might dream in their mind you know yeah and then when you finally get there it's almost got to be like a little bit surreal um and you went to two which is even cooler to compare and contrast the two i mean was there a big difference in your experiences between the first and second outside of the re the result? I was a huge experience, but kind of like the buildup in the atmosphere. Yeah. The, uh, the first experience was completely different. It was, I was, uh, I was wide eyed on the first one and I was 24. I was the youngest guy on the team. I was on, a, on an amazing team. Um, a bunch of killers, man. Bruce Baumgartner, Chris Campbell, Kenny Monday, Kevin Jackson, John Smith, Zeke Jones, it was an amazing team. And, um, and I was kind of the punk on the team, you know? And um, <laughs> so, you know, I was wide eyed and, and um, not a, not a terrible amount of confidence, you know, um, you know, but being around those guys, I remember, I'll never forget Kevin Jackson being, you know, just, you know, off the mat, um, me talking about the draw, you know, what am I, what's my draw going to be like, dude, Kendall, you're the bad draw. And even if I wasn't, Having KJ tell me that, that is like, yeah, right. You know, um, you know, being around those guys really, it changed the way I felt the next time around, you know, 96, you know, now I, I experienced it. I felt it. I, I wasn't wide eyed. I, I was uh, dialed in and um, because of in 92 being so close to actually meddling, you know, I, I found out how good I was. I was like, holy, I'm, dude, I'm good enough. I'm good enough for this. So then the next Olympics was dialed in the, the hoopla around me. I, I blocked it out um, and was there for business. Yeah. When, what an Olympics it was, man. 96 in Atlanta. Amazing. And uh, yeah, well, I'm just so glad we could, we could chat and you could share uh your wisdom. And I'm just, as soon as I found out you were connected to this, man, I was like, hell yes. I get to bring Kendall yeah, into this thing again, man. So it's always yeah. a pleasure to talk to you. And I, I hope to see you. You going to NCAAs this year? I assume? Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. I will make sure to come up and say hello to you if I don't see you at a dual meet before then, right. man. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. This episode was presented by Frog Ninja Wrestling Club, who's putting on two camps this summer. Go to frogninjawrestlingclub.com if you're in the PA area and want to learn from some of the best in the business. Frogninjawrestlingclub.com. Register for their upcoming summer camps now. We'll see you later this week with a new episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Peace!